Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil and find out. Again, welcome to the V8 Sleuth Podcast, powered by Timken, a world leader in bearings and mechanical power transmission products and services. I'm Aaron Noonan. We have had the Superloop Adelaide 500. Will Dale is in the studio with me as well as we look back on the first weekend of racing for the Virgin Australia Supercars Championship. Will, welcome back to the pod. We're good to go. What did you think about Adelaide first up? Oh, it's just great to be back. It's great to have cars racing again. It's fantastic <laughs> to see. I, I watched it from the couch. I wasn't there this year. Um... It was a good race in terms of stuff happening, but was it the most exciting race? Probably not. No, I've seen better, but I've yeah, seen worse. Exactly. And there was that last minute, last minute kicker, last bit of excitement. Not if you were a Red Bull Holden Racing Team fan. It wasn't well, exciting. No, but it shows that like even a dull race can be turned around with something surprising happening late, late on. So we're one all between the two heavyweights of the Supercars Championship. A win to the Red Bull Holden Racing Team on Saturday with Jamie Winkup, who continues to add to his record number <laughs> of race wins in championship history. And Scott, he's not retiring. Yeah, well, no, we'll touch, we'll touch on that very soon. Scott McLaughlin getting the win on the Sunday, which of course gives him the overall Superloop Adelaide 500 crown for the second year in in a row, he becomes the first Ford driver to go back-to-back since Jamie Winkup. Uh, Although he had a Ford one year and a Hogster the next year. Well, so yes. <laughs> we'll cover a bit more of that in our stats section a little bit later on. But I guess the big talking point out of the weekend, there's a whole pile of them really, but the whole weekend being on the ground in Adelaide had a not a poor cast over it, but it was certainly a very different atmosphere with the Holden news breaking during the week that the brand is being wrapped up here in Australia by GM. There's a million questions that come out of it of, what does it mean for the future of supercars racing? What does it mean? Will anyone run Commodores next year? Will there be GM product on the grid? What does Roland Dane and his team do? What do Ryan Walkinshaw and Walkinshaw and Dreddy United do? There's so many questions, but the reality is at the moment, despite what you read in many places, there's not that many answers just yet because no. the chats are all going on it's behind way closed too doors. Soon. Way too soon. But, but you can understand why it's a, why everyone wants to know the answers is because Holden's been such an intrinsic part of this sport in our country for so long now, pretty much for it, for the entirety of its existence. And I can't think of another instance where a big core manufacturer has, depart- has departed this earth from another series and then what's happened after that. There's nowhere else in the world. There's, there's no precedent. This, this is, uh, and I might be taking it slightly extreme here, but I don't think it is. This is Ferrari leaving Formula One. Yes. It is that big. Yeah, it's if Ferrari Hol- leaving Formula One because it falls over. Yeah, it's yeah. It is the is it Formula One without Ferrari? Well, it might be a name, but to the hearts and minds of the fans, that's where the really interesting part of all of this plays out as to what happens next. It, mm. We have endured as when I say we, I mean the community of touring car followers and fans and people that worked in it. We have the sport didn't end when Peter Brock retired. It didn't mm. end when Dick Johnson retired or Larry Perkins. We have had Ford come and go. We've had rule platforms change. We've had. Uh, recessions, GFC, uh, all sorts of challenges thrown up over the years. And we're celebrating our 60th anniversary season of Australian Touring Car Championship Racing. This is like unlike any of those. Mm. The sport is bigger than one man, a Brock, a Johnson, a Perkins. Uh, but when you take a sport that is so built on the two side, this is Batman and Joker. Yeah. I made you, but you made me. Yeah. How, how do we go on? 
I think it still works okay with a GM car of some sort, a, a Camaro or a sure. Corvette perhaps. For sure. But it won't be the same. No, because it won't be a Holden. Correct. No matter what you say. But like you said, it will go on. It kind of has to go on. We all move. Life goes on. It Life does. has to go on. And how it goes on, we will wait and see. Remember that there's broadcast rights uh, that are up at the end of the year. So obviously if you're a TV broadcaster, you want to know, what are we buying here in terms of what will the cars be? What will the rules be? What will it all look like? So that makes the pressure on supercars right now, I think, pretty high to make sure that whatever they do in this next car project of Gen 3, that they absolutely nail it from an affordability point of view, from the relevance to the fan point of view, to turn on great racing. uh, It's a really critical time that they absolutely nail this. But I think the thing that switches in my mind too, how do we best pay tribute and respect to Holden during 2020? Well, it's honouring its heritage. Like, surely that's the... But what do you do? What, 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 what are we going to do? <laughs> well, I know what we're going to do. Well, we're going to do a book. I know that much. Yeah. But I think that there's grounds there, here There's for a it. right way to do it and there's a wrong way to do it. There's clearly a wrong way to go about it. But there's so many different things you could do. Public events, big yeah. car displays, a big stage show, a, um, a big thing at Bathurst, a big thing at Newcastle. I mean, it'll be the last of everything, whether yeah. it's... And there's the potential that there will be Commodore ZBs on the grid next year. Potentially, some of the other teams might mm. not change. They might not be able to take that step that's required to recloak a car or whatever yeah. ends up happening. But there's so many possibilities here. So there might still be a Commodore on the grid, but the reality is that Holden as a brand will be gone because the factory and the company no longer um, actually exists. So I, th- I think however you celebrate, it's got to be something that involves the fans, something that brings people together because ultimately it's a massive amount of shared grief that's going on at the moment. True. People that have just... I, I know how I would feel as a lifelong Ford person growing up, how that would feel. Yeah, totally. And, like, yeah, and I think even Ford fans have understood that this has hit them too because yeah. it's the it, it's if you're a Carlton fan and Collingwood didn't exist anymore, it's not quite the same going and having a win at the footy against yeah. everybody else because it meant so much more to beat that team. Hey, another bit of news that came out of the weekend on the lead-in is that the Red Bull HRT have re-signed Jamie Winkup and Shane mm. Bergen. I never thought Jamie Winkup was going to stop driving full time. What else was he going to do? Well, you can only run a cafe. You can only make so many uh, arches and (laughs) lattes. Uh, No real shock there, but now is the the next part of the puzzle. Mm. So that takes out this whole. There's a seat available because there's not a seat available. Yeah. Then the question is, what happens over at DJR Team Penske? Clearly, Mm. Scott McLaughlin will be in the United States next year, no doubt. Yeah. Fabian Coulthard, does he hang on to a seat there? As DJR Team Penske, would you want to lose two drivers at the same time? I don't know whether that's necessarily the best the best move. Well, like, when one's finishing outside the top ten. Yeah, true. Anyway, it's hard to see. It's 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 a it's an interesting that's the next focus of the silly season. Absolutely. Um because now people will start slotting the pieces in. No doubt, McLaughlin's going. He's hmm. going. He he's and so he should. He's got an awesome totally. opportunity. He has made an impression. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. He's got to go. Offer that to any driver on the grid. We've talked previously yeah. here in the office about the the similarities, I guess, between he and Marcus Ambrose. It's interesting. It's really it? interesting. It's remarkable amount of parallels. Two-time champion aiming for three in a row. Mm. Ford, yes. side of the fence. A wish to go to the United States. For Marcus, he he made a real jump and a real leap because he didn't have something nailed and locked. Mm. There was 
some doors opening through Ford, but it wasn't nailed and locked like Scott has with Penske here. Mate, Marcus hadn't driven an oval of any kind. At, nor at Scott. <laughs> nor at Scott. But in comparison to when Marcus had his first drive on an oval, it wasn't as early as Scott's first drive of an Indy car. Yeah, it's an interesting one. And they've both won a lot of races. Mm. They've both done it with a bit of antagonism coming towards them from whether it be their their rivals, the scene, the fans. Uh, and you can tell in that last season, Marcus was kind of jack of some of that. He was done. He yeah. was cooked. Scott's not showing those signs, but there's the tall poppy thing that we have in Australia anyway. You win lots. Yeah. And forget the whole chat about parody and gurney flaps and Mustangs and eligibilities and VCATs. Yeah. He, he won, won lots won of races. Yeah. But th- what I'm talking about is what it creates and what um, people start to uh, to carry on with. And uh, be it's it's an interesting parallel between where they're both at, where they're heading to, and then what it means for the teams in the, the follow-on of their subsequent departures. Now, fingers crossed, I'm not trying to kick Scotty out of the country. We'd love him <laughs> to stay, but the reality would say that he looks like he's got bigger fish to fry and they will go and do some frying. So, silly season we'll keep an eye on right throughout the course of the year. Uh, that leads into a couple of our points in this podcast as we look back on the weekend. The clear Bannerhead ones are the two wins from the t- two big power teams. Tickford really the best of the rest with Cam Waters and Will Davison punching out some good results. Chas Mostert again, Walkinshaw and Dreddy United. They perform in Adelaide most times. Yeah. So that's why I'm not seduced. But new driver, new engineer, new mentality, new environment for Chas, and he's running up the front. I will say that car looked extremely good over the curbs and extremely good over the bumps, and that's a positive sign because I don't think those cars have looked that good for that lot for a while. They've dragged results in Adelaide with Courtney and Tander in previous years. They've been a mm. bit quiet the last year or two, but traditionally they do perform well, those cars from that team, on street tracks. Stop, yes. start, no yeah. big high-speed constant radius corners like Albert Park or Phillip Island or anywhere like that. So no Phillip Island this year. They'll be not having to deal <laughs> with any of that sort of stuff. Yeah. What, what else caught your eye watching on the couch? Well, you just run through those things. Triple Eight and DJR one, yep. DJR Team Penske one, Tickford, best of the rest. This new shock absorber that came in didn't really change the form guide that much, did it? Not really. It's like any change that we make to the the series or the cars. The big teams figure it out faster. They've got the best resource. It will always end up being that way. And I think we're so far down the path with Car of the Future now that the big teams, we saw this at the end of Project Blueprint. I've got some numbers in our stats (laughs) section that will make your eyes really water. I've forgotten about all this. Yeah, yeah, it's a scenario where we've hit that point now, what, eight years into the, the era of Car of the Future the big teams have got it sussed, and you throw these little changes at them, and they'll they'll deal with them best. Every lap in under a minute, every move made to matter, every decision impacting the outcome of the race. Supercars in Perth, every second matters. Bosch Power Tools Perth Super Sprint, May seventeen to nineteen. Book now at Ticketek. Supercars. Unforgettable. Hey, hits and misses. It's a new segment on our post-round podcast. Hits. I've got a fair list here of good stuff. Because <laughs> I'm look- looking at this first one, and I'm not sure why it's on the hit list. It's a hit. The yeah. Armour All Pole Award Viking Helmet. Now, when I first saw it, I thought, <laughs> is that cringeworthy or is that cool? And I, oh, I'm, I wasn't sure for a while, but then I thought, you know what? It's cool. I like it. Embrace it. Go with it. We don't have enough fun in motorsport, particularly in supercar racing. It gets so so serious and so bogged down in all of the politics and the money and the pressure. 
Oh, for crying out loud. Let them put a helmet on with some horns. And you know what? For every pole position that they get, play hooky. you got to put a ring on it for every pole you get. Good plan? Look, I'm, I'm all for fun trophies. I love the grandfather clock NASCAR hands out at Martinsville. I love the lobster that you get at New Hampshire. <laughs> I, I have no issue with this being an occasional thing, a nice bit of fun. But We give away really 28, a good pole, look? 28 pole positions in a season. It won't be occasional. That's what I mean. Is it really a good look for... Our, the best drivers in our sport to constantly be wearing that. Would you notice that Shane Van Gisbergen did not wear it? I did. He's not going to put it on. No way. He'll you know, leave it on the trophy. I stand with Shane on this. I was I was impressed that Winkup put it on. I didn't think he'd do that. <laughs> Points for effort. And he the did great, look slightly bemused We've by got it. photo files for ages to come now if they all keep putting this on. That's we'll great. wheel this out when they're retiring. <laughs> That'll be great. Their retirement photo. Uh, the other thing that caught my eye, clearly the Shane Van Gisbergen drive on Sunday was oh. nuts. Well, the he car was, that wasn't right either for most of the race, pretty he, much the entirety of the race. But the thing that captured my ear, not my eye, that hasn't really been covered off. It's been well covered the Uber ride with Cam Waters. It's been <laughs> yeah. covered the pace of the car and the, the failure that took him out of the race, which was a lower control arm mm. for those who were wondering what had happened, who might have turned their TV off and didn't get to the bottom of it. But when the news came through from Grant McPherson from Shippy to say, we don't have all the juice in it, you're going to have to come back in, he didn't blow up. No. He didn't make a scene. He didn't curtly respond. It was a, all right, okay. Time to get on with it. Time to go for it. Yeah. The Shane Van Gisbergen of X years ago would have had the hissy fit and carried on because mm. he used to be on the radio hooting and hollering all the time in the Stones era and a bit of techno as well. But what we, what I heard and I felt and I see in that is the maturity now, the rounding of the package. We always mm. He's always been fast. Yeah. But now it's the maturity that's coming through. To take that on board and just go, right, I can't change it. Got to deal with it. Someone's stuffed up, but it doesn't matter right now. Press on. That's why he's my tip for the championship. I think he's the he's going to be able, if he can now deal with that stuff well, he's clearly fast. He, he's hmm. my title pick. You've heard the, you can hear the evolution. Like I've, I've listened to a lot of team radio over the years, as we've discussed in past podcasts from my work at Fox. You can hear that evolution listening to him on the radio over the past few years since he joined Red Bull. There'd be times in 17 where he'd get a bit heated and he'd sort of chop back at... Strong, like if, strong leadership's a big part yeah. of that too. Well, if, if Shippy was talking to him at a time when he didn't want to listen, he'd chop back at him. But then he would later, when things had calmed down, say, look, I'm sorry, but like this was happening, this was happening, this was happening. So he, you can see that evolution and that increasing maturity and understanding that, okay, yep, that was that. Done. Draw a line under it, move on. Reminded me of the Jamie Winkup drive in 2012 where he went mm. like a blur on a three-stop strategy. I know different scenarios where Shane was forced into uh, the pit-stop <laughs> strategy that he had. It wasn't his fault. How was the look from the refueler to the spike man at Red Bull oh, HRT? That was the look yeah. of, did you just do what I think you just did? Yeah. What happened? You'd see under uh, the visor what that look looked like. Yeah. No, that was an awkward one. Uh, Kelly Racing making Adelaide. That's a hit. That was a big Absolutely. effort to get those cars to the test, to the race event. To get uh, they, them finished. <laughs> yeah, to get them finished. They worked every day right through the off-season. No days off for Christmas. The story about Todd and the family bringing the caravan and to the shop. And staying three nights yeah. at the shop. Yeah. Oh. yeah. If you don't think Todd Kelly's a racer, that, that, yeah, that sums it. That yeah. sums it up. So I thought that was a, a great effort. They're only going to get better. Uh, Cam Waters, he was a hit. Five stars Absolutely, for yeah. his Uber driving. <laughs> Oh, and the race driving was pretty good too. Well, he's now up to 12 straight top 10 shootouts. Yeah, he's kept his streak going big yeah. time. He's yeah. made every one of them all through last year and now into this year as well. A lot of questions, and he was asked on the weekend about being the leader of Tickford. Of course, 
Winterbottom's left, Mostert's left. Mm. He's kind of the natural that people now look to because he's been growing from within yeah. through FPR. He's the new Mostert, for yeah. want of a better term. Super 2 and the yeah. like, yeah. Obviously, you've got very experienced Will Davison in their world. Lee Holdsworth's highly experienced. Mm. Jack LeBrock's talented and coming in from a couple of ordinary years at Techno and trying to get himself up and going. But also been with the team before. So and he, he has, has been yeah, Super 2, of course, a couple of yeah. years ago, 2016, where he's the, the runner-up to Gary Jacobson, but he won a pile of stuff. Mm. So... Cam Waters being tabbed as this leader, I think they're going to all shoulder the responsibility there between the four driver lineup. We'll get back to the podcast in just a moment, but I wanted to tell you about our good friends at Timken, a world leader in bearings and mechanical power transmission products and services. Now, you might know their name and recognize their logo, but did you know that Timken products have been to the surface of Mars? It's true. Timken partnered with NASA to design and develop bearings for its Mars rover missions Spirit, Opportunity and Curiosity, as well as for NASA's next scheduled mission to the red planet that's set to blast off in July 2020. The Curiosity rover used Timken bearings in its descent to the planet, as well as in the carousel system that positions the rover's sample cups for gathering and analysing rock, soil and atmosphere, plus two bearings that run the vacuum pump that supports the rover's analytical equipment. Those bearings are just 6.35 millimetres, yes, millimetres in size, and they rotate at 100,000 RPM. It's amazing. We'll bring you some more cool facts about Timken in each episode of the V8 Sleuth podcast this year, but now it's back to the podcast. Jack Smith. I need to defend Jack Smith here. Mm. He's copped so much crap on social media. He He had a bad weekend. Oh, yeah. He he looks like he's almost tried to get all the penalties in the book on the one weekend. <laughs> Blue flags, uh, missed the driver's photo, bad parking in pit lane, which blocked in Rick Kelly, who wasn't too impressed, crashed at turn eight. He had a tough enough weekend. Everyone mm. back off on him. Um, there's a question that falls a little bit later on that we'll cover off a couple of things. Um, Trans Am, didn't yeah, mind it, that? enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. I think there's a lot of people that that weekend was probably the first time they've seen Trans Am yeah. racing as it is now. and. It's good fun. I love the, I love the fact that don't, don't want to get into too much tech talk, but I like their the fact they're on bias ply tires. They slide around, they move around. It's great. Yeah, I mean they're they're a pretty low cost in race car scheme for mm. that sort of a platform of yeah. event. Um, they got plenty of attention from the fans on the weekend. They make a great noise. They're pretty hard to drive. They look good. Yeah, yeah. Aaron Seaton clean swept the weekend. Now that kid mm. we know can steer. Mm. He definitely needs a break and someone to get behind him. And but it was cool to see. Um, oh, I know nice big been, numbers on the doors too. Ah, uh, yes. I know there's been politics, though, in the yes. whole TA2 and Trans Am and ARG world. Putting all that aside, we're just talking about the on-track stuff. I think they made a good impression with the fans. It's great to have the stadium super trucks at Adelaide again. Mm. The jumpy trucks, the as jumpy trucks. some would call them. They got plenty of attention, too. But I reckon Mastar of the weekend wasn't in the main game. No, I think that's fair. He was in Super 2. Yep. He won the last race. He was yep. a bee's knee off the win for the round overall. Tom Randall. That was bloody good. Totally agreed. Totally agreed. It was fantastic to see him actually get a reward for how well he was driving across the weekend. Phenomenal fight with Brody Kostecki all across the weekend's three races. And when you consider what he's gone, what Thomas Randall's gone through in the past few months, like yeah, it was it was fantastic to see. And those who might not follow the sport close enough or haven't caught up, he has had a, an off-season um, fight with testicular cancer. Mm. He's had treatment. Uh, there's every chance he might need his next bout of chemo. Uh, before the next round in Tasmania, there's a chance he may miss the next round at Simmons Plains. Mm. And this year, Super 2 is a six-round 
season. They're not racing at Newcastle for the last round. So it makes it a, a shorter season. But the reality is if he misses one because of his treatment and he brains them all in the others, he could still win the title. It would be a bit difficult. But if he won the most races and rounds in a season, everyone gets it and will you know the opportunity yeah. will present regardless of if he has a, a Super 2 trophy or not. Speaking of Super 2, my hit for the weekend was the three-race format. It was good, wasn't it? I like it. Yeah. Stick to it. One qualifying session, do the progressive grid thing. I'd like more of those for Super 2, please. Rather than re-qualifying and just doing two for the weekend, I think the three works. By the way, no one swept a three-race round in Super 2 since... 2016, Jack LeBrock in Perth. Oh, wow. When he okay. drove for what was then Pro Drive Racing Australia. But I like that. I spoke yeah. to Chad Nolan about this on the weekend, who calls the action on TV for Super 2 these days. We both agree. It, it turned on some some good racing. I've got to say, pat on the back to all the young kids making their stop up, step up from V8 Touring Cars into Super 2. They I you said all, stuff up then. No, no, no. No, a lot of them did a really good job. Jade No Jada was yeah, was The really juice. Good. Yeah, the juice. OJ. Hey, goes good. He was good. All, all these young kids driving sensibly and like, it was it Brock Feeney or so, someone had someone come down the inside of them at the turn eight, the turn nine hairpin, and they just left the door open. But you know, young kid in an expensive car, it's smart. That's smart driving. It's it's not necessarily going to keep you the spot, obviously, but means mm. you fight on for another day, and you don't spend money on damaged parts. Very true. Uh, Super Two also features in our misses category in hits and misses. Let's get into the misses. There's no doubt about it, the crowd was down at the Adelaide 500. A four-day crowd figure of 206,350 is the lowest ever attendance in the four-day era of that event, which started in 2003. When you can see it on the television watching at home, that's when you know. Uh, For sure. And being there at the circuit, it was clearly down on previous years. It wasn't as busy in the paddock. But the reality is to still average an event with 50-odd thousand a day without international concert acts, because that has helped boost the numbers in the last few years with the Red Hot Chili Peppers last year. Well, last um, Sunday was a sellout. Last yeah, Sunday last 91, year was a sellout. 91,500. You couldn't get any more tickets. Yeah. Um, but obviously, leaving the track last year, people were flocking in to go to see the Chili Peppers. Mm. Uh, this year, everyone was heading out. Anyone yeah. coming to the concert was probably there already for the race. So I'm not a doomsdayer like... It, it, you know what drives me insane? That everyone's <laughs> going for clicks in digital media these days so it's easy to write the skies falling in and i'm certainly not here to say everything's rosy mm. but how many how many can you fit in the adelaide oval for a day of cricket Fifty thousand, something like that that's four. so that's getting a full crowd for four days in a row at a test match yeah that's not gonna happen no uh so just get a grip on it yeah that this is a big event it, it's now probably needing a little bit of a refresh uh, yeah, I think everyone would agree with that. Yeah, exactly what that is. Hard to say. Yeah. But um, I don't believe in sitting here pot-shotting something unless you've got some very good alternatives or ideas to That's make it, it better. It's a time it for time. ideas. It's a time for Absolutely. ideas on how to save it, not to give it a kick in the belly. It was mentioned in the media centre on the weekend by a certain couple of people who I was chatting to that they thought that maybe we should make the Adelaide 500 the final round of the championship. That would reinvigorate Ooh. it. Give it that um, F1 sort of feel mm. of the end of season yeah. atmospheres. Okay. Yeah. More often than not, turn on a title decider. That's got a bit of merit. Hmm. Would you move it from this time of year to be the last race of the championship or would that be as part of a um, overall calendar renovation? 
Well, to maybe it's, maybe it's a simple move, but don't forget that there's probably a, a clause in a contract somewhere that says the Newcastle round has to be the last round or something similar. But nevertheless, just a, just an idea that was was floated the other day. <laughs> something similar to the last race of the season is the first race of the season. That's true, but it's been the Direct first swap. race of the season for a very long time in Adelaide, and we've sort of written yeah. written about the whole season starting in Adelaide many many times. Um, don't forget too that the deal for the event is up at the end of next year's event. Mm. So there's one year to go on the contract. It's a government-run event. We'll wait and see, but we love going to Adelaide. We love going to South Australia. It's an awesome place to have such a mega event. Uh, the next miss in the list, the driver parade on Sunday morning, Will. Mm. It was at 10 a.m. local time where there were bugger-all fans in the grandstands at that stage. Yeah, what was it the was point of that? It was way too early. The driver parades are for the fans. Put it at a time when they're, most of them are at the track hanging over the fence and can see what's going on. Exactly. That's the whole point is so the drivers, the fans can see the drivers. And um, if they're not there, what's the point? I agree. Um, whether it's a scheduling thing of trying to keep it away, because obviously now qualifying in the shootout before the race, there's a bit of a small yeah. gap in there, but um, still, still. A way needs to be found. Yeah, Simple I agree. Uh, a miss, Anton Di Pasquale. He's got to beat David Reynolds this year if he's any chance to want to uh, get to it off or anywhere, anywhere yeah. else. For uh, sure. Year three, he's got to get going, and David's on top of him already. Uh, that's no slight to David. He's a no, no, good no. driver, but Anton needs to perform. Didn't and- help that Dave did. Whack well, into him. And I'm not yeah. talking about that. I'm talking about the pace in qualifying. But that's and the thing. Would Dave have been ahead of him on the grid had he not had that engine issue in qualifying? Maybe, maybe not. Who yeah. knows? But I'm, I'm looking on the whole that he's got to beat Reynolds this year. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. and, and he needs to get his skates on to, yep. uh, to do something bigger and better. He's got the talent. We know that. So it's a case of stitching it all together. Uh, Will Davison, he's a miss. He was a hit, though, because he had a good weekend, but he missed that pole position on Sunday, and he's still <laughs> kicking himself for doing so. But how he, good is it to see him back up there again? That car was sublime yeah. in the Sunday shootout. It was putting its power down, riding the curbs. Uh, t- it, it was looking really, really good. Um, but... Well, it's, it's a bit unfair to just leave him in the miss list. It was a hit list. He should have been happy <laughs> yeah. with his weekend. Hit and a miss. After all, he is now P5 in the championship points. He's equal with Cam Waters in the Tickford Garage Championship, mm. <laughs> uh, which I think that's an official thing. Uh, another miss, Fabian Coulthard. He either wins all podiums in Adelaide or is nowhere. There's never an in-between fourth, fifth or sixth. Well, 12 months ago, he outqualified Scotty in the shootout. Gave the Mustang its first pole. Probably didn't help himself with that surly interview that he gave Mark Larkham after qualifying on Saturday mm-hmm. as well. I understand he was really upset and annoyed, um, but you've got to be careful when you start giving the four-word answer interviews that a broadcaster's going to, well, probably not really going to want to talk to you as much if you're not giving them anything. Yeah, so you can't be happy all the time. No, that's like, true. We, we, I, we, I know, we I know. We want more emotion it, from drivers, no, and he clearly had a bit of emotion going on. Yeah, okay, use some more words when you do it. So as, Articulate it the emotion. Yeah, I think yeah. that's the way to go. Um, better, the, better four words than four-letter words. That's true, that's true. But on the flip side, he is bloody good. His record at Albert Park is awesome. Yes. He's been a winner there with BJR and with DJR Tim Penske. He's still on the podium there plenty of times. That's a track where I always expect Fabian to go well. Absolutely. If he's on there... He's, he can pick it up from here and have a good year, but it was a really disappointing start to his championship. Let's hope he can get it rolling and we can have two shell Mustangs taking on the, the best up, up the front of the field. And the other miss is Super 2. It's unavoidable. 13 cars is the smallest in the series history. There's mm. huge concerns. They need to find a way to get more cars on the track. I know times are tough. Bucks are hard to find, but they've they've got to do something to be able to get more cars on the track. It's, it's, it's it a hard one to, to know what to do. The, the irony is they actually they did turn on pretty good racing over the weekend, True. which is a positive. 
hopefully we can see more cars in Super 2 across the course of the season. In our stats segment, this is Noon's numbers, some of the numbers that you might not have caught up with over the weekend because we haven't told you them. Mm. We're about to tell you. The number 29, Will, what springs to mind? Uh, Dale Jarrett's 1989 NASCAR when he drove for Caliabra. Probably not for me. but Fernando Alonso. Yeah, okay, okay. If I told you that that's the number of races in a row that Triple Eight and DJR Team Penske have won dating back to Albert Park last year, would you believe me? Yeah, I would. Yeah, mm, it's it's not it definitely good. feels it's like that. It's not a good many. stat. It's a, it's a fact. It made us think, what was the last time that two teams dominated races one in a row to this point? Surely we thought that's a record. It's actually not. And, and when you told me what the answer to this was, I thought, oh, of course. I 34. Remember this. Yeah. 34. Triple Eight and FPR from Sandown 2011 to the first race in Adelaide of 2013 of Car of the Future. Mm. They won every race through 2012. That was the last year before Car of the Future was introduced. So are we hitting that point, like the point I made before, where we get to the end of a, a, a rules era, a platform era, where the big teams have got it all figured out, they win the majority of races. Remember the first few years of Car of the Future? Particularly so the first year. It was yeah. all over the place. Everyone was getting a trophy just about because it was a case of everyone learning their cars and nailing it on some days and, mm. and not nailing it on others. Scott McLaughlin, his 44th championship race win on Sunday. It's his first since Bathurst last year. He's now just four wins behind Peter Brock for fifth on the all-time race winners list in championship history. Uh, 15 cars finished on the lead lap on uh, Sunday. That's the lowest number of cars on a lead lap in Adelaide since 2014, oh, wow. which is an interesting one. Yeah. Uh, Chaz Mostert, that's his equal best Adelaide result, that second place on Sunday. It's his best Sunday result. He's never been the runner-up overall in mm. the Adelaide 500. 25th podium for the team in Adelaide. What car number do they drive, Will? I think it's 25. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's it. Put, put a bigger sell on it. Come on. <laughs> Uh, Lee Holdsworth, sixth place in the Truck Assist Mustang. That's his best Adelaide finish since 2012. Andre Heimgartner, PB in Adelaide with a 10th on Sunday in the Neds Mustang. Uh, Jack LeBrock, P12, that was the best for him as well. Van Gisbergen, non-finisher. That ends a streak of seven straight Adelaide 500 podium finishes. I thought he was going to get eight. Well, there are a few of those that were wins as well in a row. He got four in he a row. He got four in a row. He either finished first or third. There was yes. no seconds among them. <laughs> Does not do the second place uh, no. podium spot. He got his 30th career pole too on the weekend on Sunday, mm. which ties him with his enduro co-driver, Garth Tander, <laughs> for the all-time uh, pole winners list in P8. Now, Saturday, though, that was a bit of back-to-situation normal because a win for Triple Eight means that it's the 12th time in the last 13 years that they've won the first race in a new championship season. It's a wild streak, isn't it? It's amazing. Yeah. McLaughlin stopped it last year in <laughs> the Shell V-Power Mustang, but it's a... It's a stunning number. And a lot of those were Jamie, too, from memory. Yeah, Craig, Craig, Craig contributed did, yeah. a little bit, too. He um, he put his hand up and he won the first race of Car of the Future Era as well. But mm. predominantly, it's been Jamie and, of course, in more recent times, Shane Van Gisbergen. Now, on the V8 Sleuth podcast, powered by Timken, we have the National Motor Racing Museum. Couch Racer questions the National Motor Racing Museum at Mount Panorama, Bathurst. It's open six days a week now, 9 to 4.30. They are closed on Tuesdays, so don't head there on a Tuesday. You'll be looking through the windows, looking in, trying to see something, and you won't be able to get in the doors. Great to have them on board. First question, Will, from Phil Malcolm, who says he's all about progressive grids. He's not a huge fan of Sunday qualifying. He reckons Saturday should set the grid for Sunday. Thoughts? See, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of progressive grids. I'm not a fan of someone shunting on Saturday and destroying their car and then that having to cause effectively the double blow of then starting off the back on Sunday. I think it's better that 
Sunday's Sunday's a completely fresh slate. It's not like the two races are linked in any way, shape, or form anymore. No, so. and it jumbles it up. I exactly. mean, Jamie Winkup's proof. He won on Saturday. Didn't oh, get that, together in the shootout on Sunday. That mistake in a shootout ruined his Sunday. Exactly. Uh, Ross Rizzo asks, is there anything preventing DJ Penske from any major deviations in their livery? Plenty of fans were saying, mm, looks the same as last year, pretty boring. Um, he the knows Penske that they've way. got sponsors to please, but no deviation seems a bit extreme for a car that features at the front. You think you look at what else they, where else they race and the liveries those cars have had, there's not a lot of change, really. No. They're, they're a very corporate entity. It's the Penske way. It fits. It works. And it looks good. And it wins. Why change it? True. Robert Withington, I'm wondering what's required to get a license to drive a supercar. Looks like there's a few drivers not up to the level required in driving standards and etiquette. Does the almighty dollar take precedence over ability? Now, dollars are always going to have an impact on who gets onto the grid in any form of motorsport because that's just a reality. Uh, we'll, think, we'll think back. Would, would Bob Morris have won a touring car championship without Ron Hodgson's patronage? Nah, probably not. There you go. Yeah. Someone's got to pay. Yeah. Someone's got to stick some money in, whether it's your dad or a sponsor or a yeah. um, uh, a kind contributor somewhere Most along the line. sadly, is not cheap. The reality is we were asked a lot over the weekend too in terms of qualifying for licenses, and, and Robert's added to that list now. Mm. And Jack Smith, and I mentioned him earlier, he, he copped a bit of a rough time over the weekend. He made some mistakes. All young blokes do in their first weekend in the main game as a full-time driver. He's done the wild cards last year. And it's such a gruelling event as well. Yeah, he qualifies for a super licence, and you've got the numbers there To A lot of people yeah. saying, what's he ever done? Why, why can he get one? How can he get on the grid? I think thinking that they might be able to get on the grid <laughs> too, but he, he qualifies. He does. So there are four different ways you can qualify for a super licence. The first one is you've got to pick up a minimum of 13 points um, accrued by how well you do in championships below. On rungs on below a supercar. Yep. And Jack has 19 points. He won the 2017 V8 Touring Car Championship, which was Super 3 last year. Um, he won the 2018-19 Summer Series New Zealand Touring Car Championship. That gives him a total of 12 points. So he only needed one more. And his 10th place in Super 2 in 2018 tick that box that earned one. him one point and he actually had another six points in addition to that so he, he and this is all before his first wildcard event last year so he so breezed he, it in he fully qualifies uh, Tom asks what would you change to the Adelaide event to get it back to its best next year three days instead of four marquee concerts twilight races marquee concerts is a massive one to score another 30,000 on the Sunday well as discussed we look, you look at the impact that that had on the Sunday number last year with Chili, Red Hot Chili Peppers Robbie Williams before that some of the massive draw card acts that they've pulled in the past the the closest Sunday crowd they had to this year's was in 2017 when there was no Sunday night concert. That illustrates the difference. You've got to have something big to help draw non-motorsport people in and hopefully ex- expose them to what is a great sport. You're a massive Pearl Jam fan. You are wearing a Pearl Jam t-shirt here to the office today. And Can we get them for next year? <laughs> they are releasing a new album. That's more than enough. Let's get him in. Cross my fingers. All right. Let's go to work on that one. Haley asks, would the racing be better at Adelaide if they went back to the full Grand Prix circuit? Well, it's really a case it's not really possible. The fringe festivals Mm. over that side of the town. um, There's also some work there with a tunnel that's been um, put in. That basically prevents using that. And I I don't think it would turn on better racing anyway. I don't think it did back in the day. I think the shorter circuit is much more... Um, conducive to closer racing and Make, makes, door-to-door racing. Makes the precinct bigger too, more yeah. to manage, more infrastructure to set up. There's a long way to walk around. More cost. Yeah, like, yeah, more effort. <laughs> we don't want to have to walk too no, far. No, it's hot. There's a few other quick questions. Uh, Craig asks, with only two brands that are quite similar now with equal engines this year, is the fuel drop rule really needed? Nope. 
Get no, rid of it. I agree. Get rid of it. It was there for the Nissans and the Mercs and, and the Volvos, and they're not there anymore. Uh, Tim asks, not so much on the Adelaide topic, but what happened to teams using their own font for window numbers? They all seem to be doing it there for a season, then it stopped. I think the bigger question is, though, that the numbers were moved from one side of the windscreen to the other, which yeah. fried a few people's <laughs> brains. I know mine when they popped up on the screen. The reason being is that they're preparing for the LED panels that will be installed mm. um, in the, the near future, so hence why that's been moved across. Now, while we're on numbers, um, I tweeted something over the weekend about how good the orange numbers are for championship lead, to denote championship lead. Don't I love like that. It. Why? <laughs> why? Why have it? What does it do? If you're a fan that doesn't follow the sport, it doesn't make any sense. How do you know why he got an orange number? What does it all mean? You ask the person that brought you there and they tell you he or she is really good, they're leading the championship. But does it make sense to them as to why? I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't. I think it's good. I think it's a, t- it's a talk- nice talking point. It's a nice bit of additional content over the weekend and it's something cool that, okay, you've taken the championship no, lead, you change no, the numbers. I've got, it, I've got it sorted. If you're going to get the Viking hat for pole, you've got to put Viking horns on your helmet if you're the championship leader and then we can tell on the in car. There you go. I, fixed it. I think this podcast's over. Yeah, I think we're done. <laughs> it's been a loose start. <laughs> Thank you, Will. You're welcome. Let's wrap it up. The Super Leap Adelaide 500 is done. We're off and rolling in the championship. To recap, Scott McLaughlin is the championship leader for the Shelby Power Racing team. 288 points. Jamie Winkup's P2 on 261. Chaz Mostert third on 234 from Cam Waters and Will Davison on 231. And David Reynolds, P6, hey. 210 Penrite Racing and Erebus in the number nine Commodore. Speaking of David Reynolds, I reckon we should sit down with him very soon on the VAC podcast powered by Timken. What do you say? I think we will very, very soon. <laughs> All right, look forward to that. David Reynolds is going to be a guest coming up on the V8 Sleuth podcast in upcoming weeks. In the meantime, thanks for joining us on our recap of the Superloop Adelaide 500. Keep the questions flowing through social media and through our website as well. In the meantime, we'll see you next week with another edition of the V8 Sleuth podcast powered by Timken. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil, and find out.